you're listening to the Curator's Salon. I'm Geeta Joshi, and today my guest is Lauren Baker. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, welcome to. Thanks for coming to my studio. It's so cool. So um, let's start right at the beginning. When did you become an artist, or how did that even happen for you? So I've been an artist for the last seven and a half years, and it all happened very suddenly. So before this point, I did a degree in business mixed with psychology and sociology. And then I spent seven years working in marketing and event management. And I just got to this point where I felt like everything was a bit soulless and I was searching for meaning in life. And that's when I picked up a book called The Power of Now. Have you read it? No, I haven't read all of it. Really special, amazing book, a spiritual text um, by Eckhart Tolle. And it's about living in the present moment. And as soon as I like turned the last page of that book, it was this, I just had this inner knowing that I needed to quit my job the next day. So it was like very sudden. And I did that and then you know, basically booked a trip to South America straight away. So I picked South America because I hadn't been there before and I just knew that I needed to, like, change my routines and my patterns and be in nature and be in a completely fresh environment and then just leave things open to, you know, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew it was just something different. And so I landed in Brazil and I was off the coast of Rio, an island called Florinopolis, and it's a beautiful island it's got gorgeous beaches and straight away I noticed there was these mosaic arts popping up everywhere and they were like on the bins the lampposts the floor so I made it my mission to find the person responsible for making these mosaics and it was a woman called Liz Onda and she had this project called Wall to Wall Love and she was basically bringing all kinds of people together different ages different backgrounds and the mission was to you know create art on the street and just make people smile as they walked by so it was very simple and it was very beautiful and I straight away got involved with her and started you know give gave the project some new life and every day we'd wake up at sunrise we'd smash up these mosaic tiles and make this art on the street and alongside graffiti artists and it was the happiest I'd been in years and you know the days went by and turned to weeks and it was like you know just this beautiful experience and it didn't fully sink in at that point that I was an artist I just thought I'd had a really beautiful experience and then I went on with the rest of my trip through South America and I found that it was when I got to Peru and I was like deep in the Peruvian Amazon three months later I'd gone all over you know I'd been in Bolivia and doing organic farming and I'd partied in Argentina and I'd you know I'd gone through all these different stages of my trip and then it was when I was deep deep in the Peruvian Amazon I'd started meditating and I did a seven day fast and this is when I met some shamans and I took part in some ceremonies deep in the jungle and at that point that's when I had the epiphany um, that I was an artist and it was a very intense like inner deep knowing and so yeah it it then at that point you know that was when my life completely changed and I knew my my true soul path and so yeah and then it's been you know seven and a half years since then so and, what did you do when you so you had the epiphany <clears throat> you're deep in the jungle so what was the next thing that you did to then really act on that mm, I'd, I'd basically only had an experience of uh, mosaics through the street art project so and I did get an A for GCSER at 16 but I hadn't done anything 
until I was 28 and I was in this street art project. So um, I just basically researched where's the best place to study mosaics in the world. And it was Venice. So I remember like being in Colombia, you know, taking a, a couple of weeks in Colombia at the end to just like let everything I'd learned kind of sink in and, and prepare myself for getting back to um, my old reality, which would be a refreshed version of that. But going into the old my old spaces and I got a tattoo on my first tattoo on my finger of this little heart and it was because the first piece of art I made was this smashed up mosaic heart so it was to remind me that when I got back and I was in the craziness of London life and you know the potential distractions the fun distractions that that you know that I should remember my the you know the potential that all the happiness that I get from creating and so basically when I was in Colombia I was just letting everything absorb in and that's when I started researching and I found that this course in Venice to study mosaics, a short course. And so I came back to London for about a week um, to kind of, yeah, just, I don't know why I came back. I guess I just needed to come back. <laughs> but then I realised I had to leave immediately and I went to and I went to, the, um, to do this course in Venice um, and I'd actually spent like all my money in South America and I didn't have like I had just enough money to pay for the course, but I didn't have enough money to um, book accommodation or do anything else. So I remember I actually did like this. I went on this website like sofasurfing.com and like crashed on a stranger's couch so that I could do the course. Um, and then just came back and announced to, with absolute passion, determination, and um, pure truth that I am an artist without having any art to show for myself. You know, just yeah. So that was seven and a half years. Ago. And how how was how did people receive that? You know, suddenly you've you've been on a trip to far flung places, you've come back and you know, you've given yourself this new job title. Yeah, I think people were just like, Okay, cool. Yeah. Excellent. I didn't have anyone Quite say supportive. Yeah, like I didn't have anyone say, What are you thinking? you know. Because the thing is, I, I knew, you know, but but in my early life, I I didn't think out it was a possibility because I thought that you had to be from a wealthy family or have some God-given talent, you know, that it was just for special people. But then, you know, it took all this kind of soul-searching and exploration and adventure and travel to come to my own kind of realizations that you know anybody can be an artist and actually we're all artists I believe that like we all have this innate creativity but we just we don't all have that um opportunity to express it and sometimes we you know teachers parents people around us society we have these views of like what's acceptable and what what we were expected to do but you know fuck all of that like it's just you know if you feel the creative urge you must express it no I agree so you call yourself a multidisciplinary artist and I know you've sort of worked through various media but where, what were you doing at the very beginning then? I'm basically expressing whatever is on my mind. You know, my thought, thoughts and feelings are expressed through my artwork. So at the time when I first started, I was processing my nana passing away and I was trying to come to terms with death in, in a really positive way. So I started to explore all different kinds of cultures, ways of um, dealing and accepting death. And I really liked the Mexican Day of the Dead and how positive it was and colourful. And it was this celebration of life and, and the passing of life so um, I really focused on that and then I made this collection of human and animal skulls because I feel very like 
connected to animals. And yeah, it was an interesting time. So my first collection of art was, is called um, The Enchanted Afterlife. And it's a collection of human and animal skulls that are painted and decorated in really bright, vibrant colours and lots of mosaics and embellishment. And it was basically, you know, my, my thoughts and feelings were expressed in my artwork. So at that time, I made that collection because I was trying to process death and really come to terms with it in a really positive way. So I looked at all these different cultures and how they deal with death. And I really resonated with how the Mexican Day of the Dead had this really positive outlook and um, so I'd been making skulls for about eight months and then the Alexander McQueen uh, brought out this skull scarf which was super popular in fashion and basically Vogue got hold of it and uh, this skull concept and they called me the queen of skulls um, because the timing just happened it just happened to be that I'd already been making them for some time and also one of the early things that happened was I'd done put on my own exhibition in the basement of a pub but I'd kind of gone to town on it and like blacked out the whole of the basement and I had my name in neon and I had you know cupcakes with skulls on them and you know and I and I was presenting this first collection of artworks and because I've got this marketing kind of background like I kind of knew how to I spent half my time PRing the event and half my time making the work and I made it all within about three months and so it was like really like I was working for like you know sometimes I'd work for like 18 hours a day I was just like obsessed with this you know this new um, collection I was making and I released it but I'd, I'd put myself as like a skull artist like that's what I'd box myself as at the time and Damien Hurst was showing at the Tate Modern and he with his huge retrospective and releasing you know the, for the love of God the crystal skull and so the Tate curators had seen my kind of press go out and they were interested in this new skull artist so they came to my basement pub exhibition and um and then in I, I did a speech and everything and they they liked what I was doing so they invited me into Tate Modern to do an installation in response to um Damien Hurst's work and then I I always optimize every situation and that was an amazing opportunity so then I put forward ideas to do an installation workshop an art talk an exhibition everything you know and they were really happy and they let me go wild with it so it was like my second exhibition and ended up being at the Tate Modern. How incredible is that? Yeah, it was really cool. And then that went really well and they had good feedback. So then a year later, the Tate Britain invited me to do an installation there. And then a, a, a one or two years after that, I did an installation at the v So I really want to do like the Science Museum next. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't realise you'd had quite that many um, insta- uh, workshops actually at the bigger museums. Mm. It's really fun to engage with the public and mm. get everybody involved, yeah. Do you do workshops anywhere else? Yeah, people ask me to do workshops. Yeah, and I do it sometimes. And I, what, what I like doing is art talks and creativity talks and, you know, un- unleashing creativity because I feel that after, like, you know, having over seven years' experience of, like, making it in the art world and, you know, those first few years were a real struggle and then, you know, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of learning and so now it, I think it's really nice to be able to, like, share what I've learned and um, inspire other people I want to get as many people as possible to be creative. So yeah, I'm enjoying doing the art talks. Oh, amazing. Yeah. What were you doing at the V&A? I, do you know what? It was an exhibition called What is Luxury? And I'd just done a project um, for a, a sheikh in Qatar who was the friend of the king. Um, he commissioned me to do a crystal grand piano with half a million crystals on it. 
a, a, a baby Steinway grand piano. And I just finished this huge crystal project and it took me a really long time. And it was like, um, it was, yeah, it was an epic project. And the, the, because they had this what is luxury exhibition and they were looking for people to do like installations and workshops around that kind of topic. They came to me and um, to potentially do something around crystals. And I was like, if I see another crystal, I'm just, that's just too much. I couldn't possibly look at a crystal at that point after like half a million crystals my whole studio floor was just glistening with crystals it was like thousands of pounds on the floor but um yeah I just needed a break from crystals after that point so I came up with this concept to do a whole gold theme um so I actually had like this gold goddess and sh- and I placed her like amongst the old statues in the v it was really amazing and then um there was it was a it was a whole gold themed concept for that for that particular installation. I ended up doing my first performing art piece, which I've never done again, but it was really fun. Wow. It was just kind of happened. Um, so that was really cool. And then, but yeah, but going back to the crystals though, the, the, the piano happened because of a project that I did with um, Save Wild Tigers charity, because I've been an ambassador for them for the last five years now. And they came to me and we had this connection over a love of tigers. And so we made a proposal to create a life-size tiger head um, with thousands and thousands of Shrosky crystals and... I ended up making a few pieces for the charity and we sold one of them um, the last one it was in Singapore in and we we did a big we did a big huge amazing gala dinner and um, I stood up and did a speech in front of the Sultana of Malaysia and um, 650 people at the gala dinner and um, the piece went for 30,000 pounds which is great so I've raised 55,000 pounds for Safe World Tigers charity now I've got a goal to raise 100,000 for charity so I'm at about 62,000 now. I've done some stuff for um, Help Refugees and Melza Charity and some Peace Charities. And I'm really interested in working with some conservation charities next. Um, so I've got this idea about, um, I can't tell you about it actually. Yeah. I'm going to release it in like a few months. So yeah, but it's, but it's a conservation charity that I'm going to start working with really closely to, um, yeah, I can't say, annoyingly. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So from crystals to neon, because that's what, you're quite well known for the neon work yeah how yeah. did that happen? So I've been working with Neon um, for about six and a half years. So about a year after I started being an artist. And I went to out of London to do Neon making courses and bending and blowing the glass. Um, and then so that I could get a feel for the the this type of artwork and it's quite addictive you know it's like the the neon glow is um it's a really like wondrous kind of magical feeling when it when you turn it on so yeah I I really love this medium because a lot of my themes of work are about like positivity and like my neon text is is like my life mantras like everything is going to be fucking amazing and today is going to be fucking epic and together we will burn brighter they're about like uplifting people and so yeah they're really fun pieces and then more recently in the last couple of years I've been working on this series of work called the color of energy 
And basically it's about how it's scientifically proven that the heart has an electromagnetic field that's several feet away from the body and it's proven to be 60 times greater um, than the brain waves recorded on an ECG. So, you know, we have this heart energy and what I wanted to do is visually interpret this unseen energy. So I started to look at the seven chakras in the body as I was like meditating more and more. And as everything is energy, everything has a frequency. So I listened to the sound frequencies of these seven chakras. And then I meditated on that and really went like deep into visualizing what that the colors look like of this energy and then came up with my own version of the seven chakras so typically the heart chakra in eastern philosophy is is green but when I tuned in and listened to the sounds and felt the vibrations I could um, feel that the colors were you know there was green for sure but I, I, I was seeing like turquoise blue teal kind of different shades of blue I even saw some pink and so I've come up with like my versions of these uh, colors of energy and then mixing that with on these huge a huge big canvas where you have a lot of like dark space and adding the neon light with this glowing undulating glow so the idea is you breathe in time with the neon coming on and off these circular neon rings and then the diamond dust in the middle means that you know there's all of this kind of like it looks like the movement and the vibration when the light hits it and yeah so yeah so that's been my more like kind of recent works really visualizing energy oh my god <laughs> thank you that's, that's, a nice so nice. that's a nice response <laughs> so on a work like that are you is your intention for people to sort of stand in front of the artwork and really engage with it you know in time with breath and all of that definitely yeah 100% and you know it's interesting because people will look at my the seven chakras and they'll be particularly drawn to one and sometimes it is the one that they need to like open up or they need to work on like they might be drawn to the throat chakra and they might might need to tune into their communication channels more or the heart chakra which is about love and creativity or the um the crown chakra which is about transcendence and you know meditation and so it's interesting to see which colors they're drawn to and then which things they need to kind of like enhance in their lives so my intention is that and I'm kind of like I'm Reiki too trained but I don't don't really practice so much but I just kind of have this like interest in spirituality and I'm very I've traveled all over the world and been to different gurus and I've learned a lot and I'm um I go to I do kundalini yoga I'm very open and receptive to all of this kind of knowledge and my intention um you know I've I've created these artworks in this very spiritual kind of place and my intent and put this energy into it and my intention is that they look at the artwork and then when they buy the piece they get I send the soundscape of what I listen to at the time of creating it and my intention is that they you know every now and then put on the soundscape and like tune in and just have a moment of peace and if it's the the neon version of it then they breathe in time with the neon slowly going on and off because it's set to a meditative breath so that they can time it like that and so yeah my my intention is that my art uplifts people and, and brings positivity and um happiness 
Yeah, that's a really interesting kind of way of engaging as well with the artwork, isn't it? Mm. Like you're really sort of communing with it as yeah. well. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Where have you shown them? Have you shown them anywhere to, all together? Yeah, I showed them at um, Saatchi Gallery in September for the Star Art Fair. And it was really, yeah, it went down amazing. It was such a good show. And then, and then I've just recently um, been showing them at Maddox Gallery. Other than Maddox, which which galleries are you showing with? Yeah, so I'm showing with Maddox in London, and I'm also with Box Galleries in Chelsea, and Hang Up Gallery in East London, and in Switzerland with Laurent Marthala Gallery, and also um, Art Angels in LA. And then yeah. are you showing at fairs as well? Yeah, yeah. So I did, I actually did so many events last year. I did like 22 events. Um, so some of them art fairs, group exhibitions and three solo shows at the end of the year. So it was kind of too much. It was exhausting. So now I'm kind of being really um, focused about where I put my energy and, you know, doing, spending more time you know, making the works and trying to do like less shows, but the right ones. Okay. Mm -hmm. And most recently you've been working with books. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So this collection is called The Immensity of the Universe. And I spent a long time sourcing these very special books. And the books are about philosophy, um, physics, chemistry, dictionaries and history books. And they're all kind of really old they're quite thick but I gathered these books and then I hired a pyrotechnics team in Somerset and um, by moonlight by a forest we physically exploded the books using like explosives from the film industry and gunpowder and all sorts and we literally like detonated them and like blew them up and it was about and completely destroyed them and then I and then I kind of put them back together a bit in the studio and then burnt them a bit more and um, set them on fire a bit more and then grew crystals on them and kind of altered them and and then presented them as this collection and basically it was about the intriguing beauty that's born from chaos and destruction so going back to this inspiration from the Big Bang um, and how this explosive nature has produced you know everything that we have today um and and it kind of being like it's the beginning the, the big bang being like the beginning of time and the telling the story of that and then looking at these books and exploding them yeah it's been it was the most fun project I've ever done um and yeah and it's interesting body of work because it's my first works that are kind of not like typically beautiful you know they're very like destructed and destroyed and burnt and you know it's a very different collection for me but it's with my work I'm like as a multidisciplinary artist I'm kind of obsessed with like textures and shapes and forms and different materials and um and objects as well I yeah I feel really like drawn and attached to to these books is it an ongoing body of work that one yeah, it's a, it's a new body of work and I definitely want to keep exploring it. Um, but I feel so attached to each one that I don't want to sell them. But I, I am selling them and they do sell. I sold them at the Saatchi Gallery in September. Um, but I can't remake them. You know, every single one is so unique. I can't remake that explosion and I can't refine that really old book from, you know, 100 years ago. So, yeah, it's uh, each one is just so 
different. Did you know that's what you were going to do with them when you first found the books? Yeah, I knew I was going to blow them up and explode them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's led on to Dark Matter. This Dark Matter is... Um, part of the same kind of inspiration basically so dark matter is it's this huge big black canvas with this kind of space like glow around it and then this huge black circle in the middle of the, the black diamond dust and then the, the neon ring but all blacked out and it's basically it looks very kind of like eclipsed um planetary space vibes and it's about it's inspired by when I started reading about the Hubble telescope and how the scientists looked at this area of space that was the size of a thumbnail with your arm stretched out and when they looked in through the Hubble telescope it was revealed in this area of space that was seemingly unremarkable um, and it's called dark matter which is this unknown kind of territory and which is 85% of the universe is this dark matter and they found in a, in a thumbnail size um, they found a hundred billion galaxies so it's just like outrageous amounts of like potential for like they're just infinite potential of galaxies and universes and yeah and then they looked again and they found double that and then 10 times that and it's just you know it's just basically the pieces about how you know we think we know our reality and then when we when we really delve deeper there's just infinite potential I love how the ideas in your work meet at the intersection of the spiritual wisdoms and then research-based science. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, with science, how science is like a proven, like, you know, tests and experiments of like, okay, we know this is true. But then it's so interesting when the scientists reveal that there's all of this unknown. And that's what I'm really interested mm. in. It's like the unknown, it's the metaphysical. So it's everything that we can't see, you know, and, and that's what I studied when recently I went to Guatemala for... I was only going to go there for like a few, well, five days. And I ended up there for two and a half months because I joined um, something called the Moon Course, staying at Las Pyramids, which was um, basically like a month of, of studying metaphysics and yoga and some fasting and some silence um, and some, yeah, really interesting Oh my gosh. Do you spend quite a bit of each year travelling? Yeah, that's where I get my inspiration for sure. Oh. My favourite time is when I'm on an aeroplane and out for ideas because I'm just in this like timeless space where I'm uncontactable and that's when my I just like really like being really high and being amongst the clouds and having this new fresh perspective like I call it blue sky thinking mm -hmm. and that's when I have my best ideas when I'm like in between I'm like nationless and I'm just like yeah that's when I'm really like flowing creatively and then also when I just tune out of the everyday when I get to my destination and I also really like booking like one-way trips so that I just feel really free that's my the thing I value most of all is my freedom so yeah I like I like it when trips just evolve and you know I'm looking for new inspiration and learning new things and just growing oh fantastic mm -hmm. right Lauren where can people find you online so I'm on Instagram Lauren Baker Art and I'm on Facebook same thing and then my website is laurenbakerart.com Brilliant. I will add all of that in the show notes. Thanks so much for Thank spending you. time with me today. Yeah, great. Thank you. <laughs> the Curator Salon hopes you enjoyed this production.